We've been going through the Sermon on the Mount, uh, and we're actually going through the book of Matthew, so we, we kind of pause a little bit. We'll do this a couple times throughout the book of Matthew, where we pause, and we either hit something in more detail, or <clears throat> we, go, we go away for a little bit and come back. But the intent is to go through the whole book of Matthew um, over the coming months, uh, but right now we're in the Sermon on the Mount, and we're trying to go a little deeper in those parts as well. Now, a little note there are some things that we just skipped over that we're not skipping. We will come back to them because Jesus later on will come back to them as well in a more detailed way. So for example, one of the biggies has been like adultery, questions of like divorce, things like that, all right? Embrace God's grace for each one of you and we'll come back and talk, to it, talk about it in more detail later on. But know this, that when you read the six things that Jesus talked about after he says we're salt and light and I did not come to abolish the law but to fulfill it. We talked about that last week and we're scratching the surface. We're digging a little deeper but man, there is so much more that we could do where God wants to go with us and our hearts. That's the intent. That God holds great value. He holds us in high value. He holds covenant, marriage, our thought life, all these things because we're so important to him in high value. So when you look at that, no wonder Jesus says, you have heard it said, but I say, and his way seems even tougher and harder. In some ways it is apart from him. So he said, out of, you read those six things, now we're gonna hit, we're gonna hit another section that kind of highlights three more kind of practical ways to live. When you read that, you come to each thing, oaths, revenge of enemies, right, adultery, marriage, divorce, you know, vows, all these things that are deep. They're the deeper things underneath, not just the practical outward thing. Hey, listen, every time I read one, I go, and I need Jesus. Oh, man, and I need Jesus, right? So whether any type of relationship, or we said even, you know, one of the tougher ones might be for many of us is just telling the truth, period. Just stop lying. And so there's multiple things like that, and I come and I go, wow, there are some deeper-rooted issues that I have, underlying things. This, I said it this way, too, and others have the sin behind the sin, so I look at this sometimes, but reality, God's going over here to this because this impacts this. But it's easier for me to look at this because it's something I can fix or try to do on my own. <sighs> Stop that. It does not mean you can just sin, not at all. In fact, it makes it even greater because of what Jesus has done for us. There's just so much there, but so it's the thing sometimes behind the thing. Now, Jesus would do that very often. He's done it. He's going to do it even more as he takes all of this and he engages with people, all right? So sometimes he's going to look at folks and it's like he sees right through them to the thing that's really going on behind that. Peter, the prostitute, lawyer. It's not just stop doing that. It's let me talk to you about some things that are deeper, the deeper pain that you have, the struggles that you have. I want to speak to you there. I want to minister to you there. That is something for all of us to engage in. And we said last week, how I read the Bible determines how I live the Bible. That is so true. 
And if you'd think that that would just be simple today. It's not because of the way people interpret it, because of how they just set it aside, how they'll tell us it's not even relevant for today. Now, there are, are debates you can have on that. So you may be here today. Welcome. I'm glad you're here. Then you may believe that, like it's outdated. Jesus was dealing with that 2,000 years ago. It's irrelevant to what's going on, or you're trying to set it aside. And he, he would say then, listen, I've only come to correct the misunderstanding about God and his word. Now, let me show you what that really is like. That's where he went last week with those few verses. And then he lays out the six things. So again, I want to stress, we can get so focused on those six examples and lose the depth of what he's really saying if we're not careful. Right? I even brought up last week, I do this all the time on purpose. One, because you probably think that I look at porn because I mention it once in a while. That's typically what someone's going to say out there. But I mention it just to tackle some hard stuff. You know why? Because I, uh, I have a hard time tackling hard stuff. I, I run from it. I'm a runner, a hider, a cover-upper, you know. That's even a word, right? Okay, so the answer would be just stop, stop looking at that. Just stop it, and everything will be fine. One, Jesus would say, yeah, stop, stop looking at it. But let's talk about some deeper stuff that you have issues with. The way you treat and look at women, period, is a problem, Ron. Because if I just look at it as the activity to, to stop, I'm not looking at the real roots that are causing the problem in the first place. So the divorce thing, the vows thing, the revenge thing. I dealt with, with probably all six things this week in some form. To what depth and level, I won't tell you. <laughs> but right now, right, because it's not, I use you guys as a therapy session sometimes. That's not right to do, but um, <laughs> I have a therapist for that. I don't, you know, <laughs> and my wife, all right? So, uh, so, like even the revenge thing. At one time this week, uh, I, I wanted, like I was in such a state I didn't care if, if, I, if I sized the dude up and I thought I can take him. Do you do that, dudes? All right. I could take this guy. And then he knows some sort of jujitsu or something like that. And he's four, you know. <laughs> and he pulled up in his giant truck because I, I didn't know I did. Took his parking spot. I thought I gave him ample time to get there. In my world, at least, it was ample time. <laughs> so suddenly, revenge is, oh, let's, let's fight over a parking spot, right? So then I got to deal with him getting out of the truck and me getting out of the truck, you know, and then somebody going, hey, Pastor Ron, how you doing? You're like, oh, that, <laughs> that's all that kind of stuff, right? <laughs> okay. There's... there's the, the problem isn't Ron just likes to beat up people because they take parking spots. There's a, there's a deeper issue there than problem. Jesus is trying to help us with these things. He loves you so much that there's a depth of what we're dealing with that needs to be dealt with, but it's easier sometimes to just deal with that other stuff. So the law is stop doing that. And he says, I didn't come to abolish that. Stop doing it. 
but I came to fulfill it. There's a depth and level that we need to go to. Now, there's a lot behind that. We did some of that last week. We're gonna keep doing this, keep doing this, keep doing this, all right? So Jesus comes to correct that misunderstanding about God, uh, about his word, and then uh, he wants to, to help us follow Jesus. All right, so today, let me give you a few things that's a problem uh, for me, maybe for you, and in general, probably the world, in general. This is not gonna fit for everybody necessarily, but um, it is a big deal 2,000 years ago, and it still is today, all right? So I kind of put the, the, the problem pertaining to me a little bit, and then the church a little, and then I'll read the scripture. The scripture is from Matthew 6. We're gonna read one through four. Skip to 19, because Brent next week while I'm in Greece is gonna come back and talk about prayer. This is gonna come up multiple times. One of the practices that he speaks of, and then he'll talk about, I believe he's gonna talk about worry that we're both gonna mention. I, this week, and him in a couple weeks. It's gonna be awesome. You should be here for all this. This is one of those times when you need to be here because how we engage in it's important and afterwards and prayer and communion and all that. But please, please uh, keep coming and, and, and don't give up. I, uh, so here's, here's a, the therapy part, all right, this morning. Do you feel this way ever? I, I desire to be noticed. I desire to be affirmed, all right? Now, this can become, what happens is I find a, a deeper level sometimes where I crave approval, affirmation, and sometimes even applause. This is really, really rough because where it happens to a depth that really is, is easier in my situation is me being up here and you being down there, right? So there's this element of affirmation that I crave, and now I'll tell you, and then some of you will mock me on it this week, it'll be fun, I'm sure, and uh, you'll say stuff, and you'll even maybe do it in a positive way, or just goofing off, whatever, but this kind of setting, this situation for someone up on a stage, right alone just you sitting there watching in general, Right, and then use your response after the teaching or the service based upon your experience really can feed that. For us up on the stage, it can become sickening. It can become a sickness. And that's just, that's even just a little bit. Why? Because it becomes intoxicating and it has some self-deceiving control over me. All right, so if I feed that, right, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not perfect in it, if I feed it, it becomes, for all of us in some form, really depending on your job, family, it, this, can, this isn't just stage stuff. That's my part of my part in it, right? As, a, as part of a people-pleasing type situation for me, personality. This is a foundation, not the only, but this is a foundation for hypocrisy, now, Jesus will talk about this multiple times, all right? Hypocrisy is basically the difference between who I really am and how I want to be seen. This is what we're talking about today. So if you came and went, Ron is usually really funny. There's part of my problem. If I wasn't funny on Sunday and you didn't tell me the thing was funny, then all of a sudden I don't feel that was, this is, this is a de deep, deep, right? It wasn't very good because they didn't laugh enough. All right, I don't know what it is for you. Evaluate yourself in that world. Little lot, right? Don't just say I'm not like that. 
thank God. Where, where are you at with those kinds of things? So the difference between who I really am and how I want to be seen, that may be a point where you can really contemplate and think about. All right. One of the things that has encouraged that, I think there's nothing wrong with this. So this may be even your job in some form today. But self-branding and image, putting an image out there, right? That's business, but that's also personality, right? With social media today, this isn't a criticism of social media like don't do it. It's just the truth in it, right, is we think that we need to self-brand and promote self-image because it, for some, it might even create opportunities for your business. That's, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. That's a, that's a great thing. You need to do that stuff, all right? But we must evaluate it in light of can it create a destructive path? Because I told you this a couple of weeks ago, a lot of times what I'll do in this world right here that Jesus addresses for Ron today, maybe some of you in some way, some form, is that I find myself, one of the things will be comparing myself to someone else, especially when it comes to ministry, all right? Especially when it comes to crowds and numbers and all the stuff that is, can be good but superficial at the same time, right? Now, when I go to Instagram, some of your stuff, it's awesome. The, 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 the food pictures are like, where are you? I, oh, it's like the, your look, your family. It's magazine stuff, man. This is like, you've got it all together. You are perfect. And our reflection is that is how their whole life is. Is that true? I'm not saying it's true. That's what our whole life is. That's what, if I think it's that way, what do you think I want to do with that as a people pleaser or self-branding and all that? I always got to be better than the other person. Like I like working out. I like doing certain things. I like this. But suddenly like I've had a tough week. I haven't eaten well. I ate the loaf of bread, not no bread. Like I've been, all this stuff and I feel it. <laughs> They're going to think I'm, they're going to do this. They're going to criticize this. I was talking about last week with the, or a couple weeks ago with clothing. I got like, you know, two pants, five shirts, rotate. You know them all, okay? I, you don't, but you, all right. See, it turns into like that there. But if I compare myself to all that, I'm going down a destructive path. I'm never good enough. I'm not. Our youth intern, I love the kid. He's probably a lot it's like me. Uh, my wife will say, your son just called, you know, whatever. I love him. But I see, you know, he's 23 or whatever. He's four, you know, to me. He's just, and I love him and his wife. They're awesome. I've known him now for, you know, an extended period of time, not just bringing him on here. But he's, they had already scheduled a conference. They're up in Seattle at this great conference. Lights, great, incredible music, all this stuff. He's sending me videos because I asked for a full report. Your father would like a full report of the food you're eating, what you're doing. I think his wife, Alicia, is like, would you stop doing this? To, you know? And so now I'm looking at the conference they're at and the stuff they're doing. And it is awesome. The lights, the speaker, I know who it is. He's great. I love him. Right? All this stuff. And then you start going, I'm not good enough. I'm not like, this is my whiny voice, the, the voice in my head, the, the devil starts telling me you're not good enough. You can do better. 
Now, there may be some excellence things. There may be real things in there. But to discern that with that kind of depth going on and not being addressed, it, just, it doesn't come out that way. All right. I don't know. It, just take a moment. Does that connect at all, some form of it with you? That impacts our relationships, our marriages. My marriage has been, that's that. My relationships at work, how I act in the community, what I put on social media. There's nothing wrong with most of that stuff that I mention until it starts manifesting itself in unhealthy activity or ways or thoughts. Or Okay, one other thing with it, church. This is also, uh, for us as a church, then this is the leadership. This is the leadership, but I want you all to know that this is also a fight where Jesus will address this. We'll get there. Against spiritual elitism. What is that? It's basically saying, I, now let me put it to the church, we are better than you. We are better than you. This is where, if not careful, I look, instead of discipling people, loving people, I do things to manipulate people to get them to come here because I and we are better than you. For a pastor, one of the ways it plays out, I've addressed this with you at times, it'll come up again. What do you think one of the first things that we do, this is very general and broad, not everyone does this, but it usually comes around to it. Even if it's tricky, eventually we get to this question. It could take two seconds or it could take two minutes. What do you think it is? Don't, you don't have to say it out loud. Just think about it for a minute. How many people go to your church? One. If you caught it in there, there's a problem. One, right out of the gate, it is not Ron's church. I've, we've addressed this before. This is not Ron's church. The moment I think that you come here to serve me so I can do what I get to do called by God, he should strike. I got other things he can strike me down for. That should be one of the number ones. Like you should be able to just sit there and went, well, Ron, that's done. Brent's up next. And then someone should with fear, the fear of God go, I am not going up there, man. Right? So one of the things to correct our thinking as a whole, it is not Ron's church. It's not Brent's. It's not Charles, it's not Grant's, if he stays on, you know. It's not my church, one. I know it can be a cliche, but it is the church of Jesus, period, period. Okay, this does, it sounds so harsh for me too, but I just wanna make sure we get that. And I know sometimes you'll say, hey, Ron, your church, my own wife or myself, but please, from the, men, the, the, the depth of it, right? The behind the behind, right? Man, just remind ourselves. This is God's church. Now, because the problem is we don't own this building. We're gonna move at some point, right? It scares me. Because a lot of people 
determine a place based upon a place. So it scares me. And it reaches to the level of the self that I'm talking about here that Jesus addresses. All right, I got to get to it, huh? All right. Jesus then will call out, we'll read the scripture in just a minute, again, Matthew 6. Jesus calls out theater Christianity, it's hypocrisy, which was mask wearing. That was what hypocrisy, the depth of it. We're not going into that right now. We'll come back to it. And he's declaring that we're not performers, but followers of him, followers of Jesus. He'll put two options out there that are pretty broad in general that, that kind of make us pick, right? He'll say, you got two options. One, these are big and broad. Trust the Father, receive his love, Embrace his identity and security, and then receive his eternal reward as a result of that. Or two, your other option is this. And he lets us choose this. This is not forced. Trust yourself. Trust maybe some others. Get, and these are good things to trust yourself and others. I don't mean it like that, but it's the bad, unhealthy part. Trust yourself. Get your reward right now through admiration of fickle and fallible humans. It's your choice. Okay? So Jesus will show us in this scripture and all of this that we can live or we are living on a stage between two audiences and we must choose one. The Puritans, we must, he'll say at the end of the scripture we're gonna read, you can't choose God and money, but don't just think of money. Think of the whole big broad things that money does. He doesn't say money's bad at all. The love of money, so it'll come back to that again. But that kind of represents the bigger, deeper thing. You gotta pick a master, he says, because it turns into bondage and slavery. The Puritans had this one phrase. Some of you are very familiar with it. Other pastors have used it, and it is this. Live, live as if you are standing before an audience of one. So Jesus is gonna lay this out. It's a great phrase, a great thought. Live as if you're standing before an audience of one, and that one is God. This is how we live. This is tough. It seems easy. I think it's a lot tougher than we, we admit. If we don't, let me just point out a few things and then the scripture. One, if we don't do this, it leads to exhaustion. Okay? Just think, of, think this, this through with me. I can't keep up. I'll never keep up. You cannot do enough on social media. You can't keep up, you know, on, on uh, your life, your marriage, your, with your kids, yourself, your work. It's exhausting. I can't keep up. Two, there's lost focus. I don't look up enough. So focus becomes self-centered down or just looking to what others think. When reality is there's this constant audience of one, I, in that time, look up. All right, so I lose focus. That turns into brokenness. I'm busted up. So I can't keep up. I don't look up, and I'm busted up, man. Real relationships with God and others suffer in this. We become broken people, busted up people, if we don't have the right perspective of that. And then the last thing is this. He's gonna say in the end, you gotta pick a master, and that master perspective is slavery, and it's all about this slave to righteousness, slave to love, slave to Jesus. So don't think of slavery history-wise. That was and is a major problem. I'm talking about just that perspective and, and kind of thought behind it. Again, one of those things we'll come back to, but if you continue this way and you don't pick or you try to just trust yourself, it turns into bondage. I'm all bound up. I move, here's the little pattern. I did not come up with this. Someone else did. I thought it was interesting. I move from disappointment when I don't get what I want from you. Disappointment turns into 
you know what? I deserve it. So now I'm disappointed because I didn't get the applause or affirmation I wanted. So then I start saying to myself, I deserve it. And you know what gets worse for a leader? This really hits home leadership-wise for me. This is what happens. I'm disappointed. And I deserved it. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to start demanding it. Put that in your marriage bucket. That's created some problems. You know what? I'm disappointed. It's all right. Nothing wrong there. And I deserved this. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to start demanding it. Think about how ugly that can get. All right. Jesus goes below the surface to the heart and intent and motivation. He's going to even afterwards, we're not going to go into him, Brent, and we'll come back to these things like he did in the previous section, six. He's going to give three here, and he's going to say, these three are examples of how to reinforce the right things. It's your, and he's going to, and then poke out the deeper things, giving, praying, and fasting. So he's going to talk about that a little bit, point out some stuff concerning this stuff. All right, Matthew, chapter six, you know, uh, we made it, all right, we're there, Okay. Let's uh, read this, 1 through 4, then 19 through 24. And again, we skipped over some, some stuff. We're coming back. Watch out, he says. Watch out. This is the New Living Translations, tr- Translation. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. When you give to someone in need, don't do as the hypocrites do, the masking, the performers, the religious people that he'll speak of continually throughout the gospel, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and streets to call attention to their acts of charity, their piety, their good things. You know, don't do that. I tell you the truth. By doing that, they've received all the reward they will ever get. So notice he doesn't say something, there's something wrong with giving and these things. He just says the way they're doing it And the intent and motivation behind it, that's the problem. So he's got to address it. So he says, but when you give, right? We're different if we're going to follow Jesus. When you give, because it's good to give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. All right? Give your gifts in private. And your father who sees everything, your father who sees everything, Your father, he sees everything. He will reward you. We'll address that briefly at the end. He continues on, and then he says this later on, 19 through 24, so we skipped over. This worry part's gonna come back, so we're not gonna address it, but there's some elements in here that have importance to us at this point. Don't store up your treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them. And where thieves, we just had that happen to the church again, break in and steal. I wish he had something where we could have put like the iPads and the check-in stuff up there in heaven and we just get it back each week. But no, we added cameras, you know, we did the things we need to do. So there's this whole different mentality. It's going to happen, he says. Store your treasures. It's not just your stuff, Right? Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. 
Why? Why would we even do that? Well, he, he tells us, because wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. So that heart thing, motivation, intent, all this stuff, wherever your treasure is, there's your heart. Your eye, now he hits it a little deeper. Again, coming back to it, your eye is a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. So what I look at and all these other things matter as well, impacts my heart. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. And here he goes. He hits this little element to, to, to wrap up with that has some stuff for us today. We'll come back to it again. He says, uh, no one can serve two masters. Okay? No one can serve two masters. You can try. Why? For you will hate one and love the other. There's a deal to look at, all right, and why he gives us a choice and why this is important to him, why you matter. You will be devoted to one and despise the other, and then he even hits it a little deeper. But don't just focus on the money, all right? There's multitudes of things that can fit in this category. You can't serve God and be enslaved to money. But that's a biggie, he says, and he'll hit it again. All right, let me give you some principles, questions, thoughts. They only scratch the surface of the depth we need to go. One, I really believe this little element is so important for, for us that we need to admit what lurks, and I like that word, within us, within you, within me. The Bible will use words like, and then secular society might use this, loitering. What is loitering? I like that. Prowling, the Bible because the devil prowls around like a lion to eat you, right? That kind of element. What is loitering, prowling, lurking within you? It is important to admit the very things that are causing the problem. So, the bulk of my life, which means the bulk of my ministry, was a lack of enough self-awareness. One of the biggest problems right out of the gate is not admitting some of the issues I have. Not admitting that I was a people pleaser. Not admitting that go down the list, right? One of the first things that we need to do is admit what lurks within us. Why? Because that's important to God and it's important concerning life transformation. So one of the, the, the connections here that comes up is the life of David. The lineup, because he's going to be king, the lineup is before the prophet, and the lineup is all, from the outward appearance, the best looking, studliest looking, is that a good word for today, studly? <laughs> that dude is studly, right? I is that still a thing, guy, young people? I don't know. All right, no, probably not, but I'm old. On Instagram, I look at these guys that are like, there are these crossfitters, they're amazing, they're incredible. Some of you are like that out there. You know, they just rip their shirt off and they're doing 100 pull-ups and they're up there. This lineup is before the prophet and he's get, the king is gonna be picked and he just goes down the line. Gotta be that dude, look at him, man. Oh, I wanna be like him. I'm a prophet, but man, that dude. 
I want to be, and it just goes down the line. I want to be, it got to be him. And God keeps going, no, no, no. Enough to where David wasn't even included in the lineup. The prophet has to go to dad. You got anyone else out there? Because none of these are it. Like the dad's probably going, are you serious? Look at these men. They're specimens of, you know, manliness. They got beards. I can't even grow a beard, you guys. Okay, it's that bad. When I see like people reflecting on that, no shave November, whatever they do or something, I'm like, I can't even participate. Okay. <laughs> this, this is it. No, I got this kid, the young kid. He's out there taking care of the sheep. Well, go get him. He shows up. And sure enough, that's him. Look at what he says. The prophet, 1 Samuel 16, 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height. For I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things, not him, the lineup. The Lord doesn't see things. This is so awesome. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People, is this true thousands of years later? People judge by outward appearance. But the Lord looks at what? Thank you, God. Otherwise, most of us are, we're out <laughs> to, if we're going to compare ourselves. So, this is so key, though, that we realize that so we admit that this lurks within me. Like today, folks, you just need to know what lurks in the depth of Ron is I want people to like me. I want applause and praise. I don't want it, you to give it right now, but I want you to give it later. <laughs> that, so do you hear me? That lurks, it loiters. It's sitting there. Like that loitering part, it's loitering out in the parking lot right now. I'll tell you what happens on Sunday. Um, and then I'll hurry, maybe. Because someone's going to come to church right now. They need to hear everything, right? We'll shut down. You'll all leave and go home. You'll hit the restaurant. You'll go lay down. You'll go do whatever you do. We're shutting the lights off, pulling the signs in if they're not in. Locking the doors, checking everything. And I'm good in here. I'll touch base with Brent. Tell the guys I love them. You did a good job. How'd kids' church go? How was youth? Stuff like that. You know, we touch base. How you doing? Some of you might be lingering around and I'll talk to you a little bit. The lights click. And then I, I start like chewing on the day. How'd that go? What was that like? Lord, did I honor you? God, why did I say that? Ugh, I gotta stop saying those words. I gotta stop acting like that. Oh man, how am I, man, was that on there the whole time? Oh man, my zipper was down, you know, all this stuff. <laughs> all you did was mock me out there. No one said anything, right? Because it's the pastor. You thought it was some holy thing and whatever you hold it. Okay, so loitering, this is so true. Loitering right out there in the parking lot some of the most evil thoughts in my life that can do some of the worst damage. Because I'm alone. I walk out there and they start. Ron, you are, it's not God, 
He's talking to me too, but I got two, two people, two things, two, two voices going on. Did you see what you did today? Did you see that guy get up in the middle of the service and leave and he was mad? No, he went to the bathroom. No, he was mad at you. He left the church, man. He was one of the, he was one of the best givers too, just so you know. I didn't even know that. What? Like I don't, I'm making stuff up that I don't even know. Remember what, how they looked when they left? They wouldn't hug you or whatever? I know, but they were sick. I, no, they, they're mad at you. I mean, you, man, you said that one thing. That's really dumb. That's, you know, and then God's trying to be like, you really think that I think that way? You know, and I'm like, I don't, you know, and it's, why, it's loitering out there, lurking. I bet you you got stuff when you, today at church, man, Ron didn't say hi to me. I'm never going there again. No one ever says hi to me. Like 50 people said hi to you today. No, because Ron didn't say, or Brent did right? There's all these things that you may deal with. I'm no good. What do you do in your family? Don't take us out of it for a minute. This lurks within me. The, the ugliness, the pain, the brokenness, we must admit that. So real quickly, as far as the grumbling part, some questions. Do I grumble or complain when I'm not recognized, noticed, or congratulated? Do I get jealous or envious when others get credit and I don't? Yes. <laughs> Do I get irritated or angry when I don't get what I want in spite of what I gave? For me as a leader of a church, are numbers a priority to my good deeds? Like, it's all about how many we get here, man. How I am with others out there. You know, we'll, as pastors, one of the things that link, we'll, we won't say that we're liars, but some of us are liars. And we do it in simple ways with numbers. It's called a pastoral count. Now, you have Brent Friesen, who will not allow me to do a pastoral count. Because, <laughs> no, there was not 168, there was 167, Ron. <laughs> And I'm grateful for that. So Jesus is saying to here, this is in you. Don't deny it or minimize it. But also know that the need is too huge for human solution. Your heart, this one uh, commentator said, your heart is like a leaky bucket. No matter how much you and others pour praise into the bucket, it never gets filled. It remains an empty craving, gaping wound. First, Ron, heal your broken, leaky, needy heart. And there's only one thing that can fill those cracks, Jesus and his love, grace, forgiveness. I don't wanna read this. I'm not gonna take time just because I'm, I'm really taking a lot, but the, the answer is in scripture. So I said David, the birth of a king. Do you know that, that he's declared in scripture he is a man after God's own heart. Now let me tell you what he does later on in life as that king after God's own heart. It doesn't make it right, but he commits adultery. The woman is pregnant and his answer to fix it is to kill the man, the husband. And you know what? He does. So this week, 
You may be familiar with it. Read Psalm 51. Psalm 51 is this confession psalm. And one of the lines in there uh, is truth in the inner parts. He has to, he has to uh, confess it because he has to admit it. But I also, I, I think we talked with the men on Thursday. You know, he's confronted first. He doesn't even come first on his own. He's confronted. So Psalm 51, use it as a resource, a tool, a contemplative part of scripture to reflect on that element. It's awesome. The second thing, if we admit what lurks within us is then we receive our approval from God. So the question is, many times is, am I content with that? And whose voice or praise would you rather hear? Now, sometimes when I admit what is lurking within me, I admit that I did want, I wanted, hey God, you know what? I wanted that praise from others. I wanted that thank you. I wanted that whatever, right? And now Jesus would, would struggle with this with not himself, but the religious people. Uh, and they would in response to Jesus. So sometimes what happens is these people, they desire to know Christ. They desire, but they realize that they desire more the praise and approval of men. So they have a hard time following Jesus. Now that's gonna come up throughout scripture many times. In John 12, 42 and 43, that last line says, this is happening. It says, for they loved human praise more than the praise of God. So many people, it says, did believe in him, but they struggled with that so they wouldn't make a decision outwardly to follow him. And it would cause all sorts of havoc and problems. So one of the things, I'm simplifying some stuff and just kind of cranking through it now, but is really receive, am, am, I, am I good with that? Receiving approval from God, right? And then the third thing would be out of that is then finding my security and identity in the voice of God. So this really starts speaking to identity and security. Because if I find my identity in what I do and the praise from you, then what am I going to do and almost need to do? I need to get that more because that's where I find my identity. You. My security. You. Ah, you want to know the depth where this money thing comes in? The truth is, I have a job by the grace of God and your giving. Any pastor that doesn't admit that, that's a, that's a, it's, it's true. You don't come anymore. You don't give your tithes or offerings or anything. It's possible that I don't have a job. Charles doesn't have a job. Brent doesn't have a job. We you know, Grant's on the, the level down there. We, we tell the intern, we had a good run. It was a week, sorry, all right? But so listen, if I grab a hold and say my security and identity is found in that money, then it's you. Now I gotta try to manipulate and get you to like me and like this place. So why? You'll keep coming so that you'll give. That, just to say it out loud to you, is something that's internal. How does that play out in your relationships, your life? It doesn't mean we shouldn't do something with excellence, do a great job, we need to do that better here, all these things that we could talk about and discuss deeper, but wow, that is a big deal, right? If I hold, like the building, great deal. The owners have been great to us, but it's not ours. So what do I, ah, there's just all this plays in there. 
All right. So, so I, I look at this and go, hey, where am I finding my security and identity? Now, spiritual practices that we can talk about that come up for him, giving, prayer, fasting, all this, they reinforce who I am in him and who God is and then my security in him. They reinforce that, all right? But if I find it through someone else, then I find my safety and security and identity in someone else. Uh, so the big part of that is uh, for Jesus is uh, in Matthew, we looked at this, you know, weeks ago, 18 and 17, it's his baptism, it's this beginning of his ministry in some ways that's gonna be out there in front of the people and it starts off with identity and you could even say security. When God, after the baptism of Jesus, identification with us and so much more, but Jesus comes up out of the water, the heavens open up, a dove, the spirit of God, descends upon him and he hears this voice from heaven that says, this is my dearly loved son in whom I am well pleased. He brings me great joy. Can you imagine hearing those words from God about you? Read scripture, it's all over the place. Jesus, one of the things he's doing to correct a misunderstanding is he's coming into the lives of people constantly. Some of them declared the worst of sinners, right? And he's declaring to them, you are dearly loved. You are a man. You are a woman of God. So becoming salt, light, things we've been talking about is us reaffirming people's identity. And then if that's true about God and how he feels about you, then I can find my security in him, right? And so it goes to these deep, deep levels. <laughs> so who do I think more about? Like what God thinks of me or what others think of me? Do I believe this brings up that God is gonna do what's right and good? Where am I willing to store up treasures then and find my security? Because rewards motivate me. It's true. That's something that lurks and loiters. But if I'm prone towards immediate gratification, and I think we are, it pushes me towards the reward of man's applause as opposed to God's reward that may show up later not what I expect, or not even in my earthly lifetime. That's scripture. So if I go, my identity is in him, I find my security in God, I keep looking up, then all of a sudden I go, I'm gonna store up my treasures there because that's what matters. Or sometimes I'll take the applause of man and that's good, it's done. But you did a good thing, nice, right? All right, last thing. And then uh, worship team will come, just a few more minutes here. So I act out of my true identity. If this is all playing out, and this is becoming, this is process, this is up, down, good, bad, this is tough stuff. I act out of my true identity, my security, and I practice authentic Christianity. I practice authentic Christianity. Constantly checking my motives in heart. It's real living. It's being real. All this stuff we talked about, it's then living that out really, honestly. Here's the depth. Here's what's lurking. Here's what's going on. Here's where I find my secure identity. Working through that with God, with others. I'm checking my heart. That's like a phrase now. You see all over a joke, uh, all this stuff. But I ask, why am I doing this? Who am I trying to please? And who am I pointing people to? If you can answer those things for God, and why I'm doing this, the right reasons, it's good to do things, even in front of people. Because Jesus is not against public deeds, but he challenges the heart of why we're doing them. 
So what we're looking for is some congruency between our inner and outer life. Because in Matthew 5, 16, we just talked about how do your good deeds so others can see because you're salt and light to the earth. Just do it for the right reasons. Then you see, don't let your left know what your right is doing. Well, there's congruency. Jesus is against one or the other. It's both. It's just why we're doing them. Dallas Willard, I got a couple things on here, but this one's not in your notes or on your screen there, but it said, he said, not, <clears throat> not are we seen doing a good deed, but are we doing a good deed to be seen would go along in there. Okay. This is important too. I think this is a big, broad, general statement. You may fit into this, maybe not, I don't know, evaluate, but we crave I crave a place and a people where we can be, I can be our true selves and truly loved. I want that. But we can't have it if we're gonna follow the other master. This is why we brought on Grant. Though it almost felt like, could we even afford this for our youth? Well, we hired Charles. Well, Brent, why Brent is here. Why we have elders. Why we have you. Why we have small groups and a church community. It's why it's important to be here on Sundays. Not out of law, guilt, shame, or requirement. No out of pure practice to be your true self. I want to be a part of something where you come and it is super hard on Sunday and in some ways not even possible completely where you can be you so that God can come in and transform the things that are broken and painful where you're exhausted. Not bind you up even more to come in where you gotta pretend for an hour and a half and then go home and try to do it all again. One of the things that can help us maybe to a little thought, um, A.B. Bruce, he's just written some great things. He said these words, I thought they were really good. I read them and just kept reading them over and over again. And he said, show when tempted to hide, and hide when tempted to show. I thought that was really profound. So Ron, you're tempted to hide right now. Show, reveal, be vulnerable, that's authenticity. Ah, you just, you just wanna show. Maybe you should hide a little bit. This is where the spiritual disciplines help us. If you're an Advent or Lent participator, you're already in, right? Prayer, giving, fasting, silent solitude, your Bible reading, consistently doing that is all reinforcements to help us get to the depth of who we really are. They're not just tools to try to get God to like us more. If you're doing Lent right now, 
God doesn't like you better than everyone else. You may think so because you did a fast, you're fasting something. If you don't even know what Lent is, you're all right. <laughs> don't worry about it. Oh, no. Another thing I'm supposed to be doing right now? Oh, great. Right? That's what it could turn into. It's good. It's a tool and a resource to help you be pointed to Jesus and the innocent heart that he wants to transform and change. So is your Bible reading. So is, we can go down a list of things, right? Why? Because we're standing before an audience of one. The worship team needs to come right now. <laughs> That's also a sign of a pastor going, I gotta come up, man. Force me to stop, right? Because I will just... Use the rest as therapy, man, for, you know. <laughs> Willard again said these words concerning the disciplines. I think they're important because we're going to talk about them more, and you're going to read a few of them on your own afterwards, and Brent's going to talk about some. Jesus' teaching leads to a discipline, not a law. That's good. That's good. And a discipline that prepares us precisely to act in a way that fulfills the law of whole person love of God. That's a great statement. I'll let you chew on it and go, what? All right? So one of the things we do every week, so there you go. Chew on that, contemplate, ask some questions. God, he just loves you guys so much that he wants to get to the depths of the things that are really uh, just making us weak. He wants men, women, children, students of God just to flourish in his realm. So one of the things that we do every week and why we do it, one of the reasons why is communion. Communion is a practice to stay focused on Jesus and live authentically. Because suddenly it forces me to look at where I found my, you know, applause. So I'm gonna go to the audience of one, the, the one, and say thank you with that cup of juice for your blood that you shed for my sin. I couldn't take care of it. I tried, man. It's just, I'm exhausted. I became more of a person in bondage. Man, I need you. I need you. I need you, right? So I just say, thank you for what you did. I remember that, the bread he gave. I take that. Often I've told you this, you know, thank you for giving your body for me. That sacrifice, I give mine back to you. Just stuff it all. Here you go. I admit what is lurking within me, Jesus, and now I admit that I need you, so I take this communion to say I need you. Thank you, thank you. Wow, celebrate. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. Now help me to live authentically. Stay focused on you so that I could be all that you've dreamt for me to be, all that you died for me to be. So that's one of the reasons that we do communion every week here, to remember that. If you need prayer, there's always prayer partners. Jeannie's back there right now. Some others will be there. There's Midge. They'll be standing back there. They'll pray with you if you'd like prayer. These guys will sing, you know, as you're taking communion. And uh, I'll come back up and just send you off in prayer in a few minutes. But would you use communion not only to thank Jesus, but contemplate your heart and know that in it, he loves you. And he doesn't want us to stay the same because he loves us so much. So there's a lot to chew on in there. All right? I encourage you to do it this time and this week. Stand with me, will you? Father, thank you so much for what you have done, what you're doing. 
Man, I want as part of this to find my security and identity in you. I find the security of my salvation and the voice um, of the Father saying who I am and what you have done for me. So I find security in that to know that I'm standing on, on, on solid ground, that I'm saved and loved and cared for, that I'm your child. Thank you today for that possibility because of what you have done for us. And so what? Uh, we take communion out to remember you. We sing because we love you or want to just honor you. And then we come to this table today to reveal our true selves to you and ask that you enter in to the depths of where we need it. In Jesus' name, amen.